Is the conventional model of business schools out of date? Can business schools only survive by developing a new approach to teaching business and research? Today, Professor Joan Pierce from the University of California and Professor Ken Starkey from the University of Nottingham will be discussing these topics. The, the, the research we're, we're discussing today really started, what, 10 years ago, I guess in the United States actually, in the sense that there was a big debate in the US around um, what, if, what if management research really mattered and this uh, then um, has generalized more recently into what if management teaching really mattered and there's been a debate about the the role of the MBA. The research we've been doing really has focused on um, the role of the business school, the, the history of the business school, the future of the business school in, um, in the UK, in continental Europe and in the US and tried to present hopefully a a more hopeful picture than some American critics suggest of, of where, the, uh, where the business school is or is not going. Um, basically, in the, in the European context, I think the, the business school is a, is a relatively new phenomenon compared to the US. One of our issues is about the degree to which we try and emulate the US and increasingly rankings of business schools in terms of research, in terms of teaching are dominated by, um, by, by the US elite schools, which in a sense have set the agenda. And one of the issues um, in Europe has been the extent to which we, we, we follow that agenda or whether we come up with alternative European models um, to challenge that, I guess, is one of the issues. Um, where are we? Where, where, are the, where, where are the business schools going? Well, we started off with notions of, of could we describe models? I think we can describe um, schools that are very, very successful but don't necessarily particularly understand what their business model is and why they've been so successful. Tremendous demand from students, um, proliferation of, of management journals, but, but a lack of engagement, some people say, with... Um, uh, with practice, so so the whole relevance debate is something we've addressed. Um, what have we found? Well, again, we found a lot of schools doing a lot of different things, uh, similar concerns in Europe about the degree to which there is um, an articulation between what the business school does and issues both of corporate policy and of national policy. You know, where, where does the business school fit in the UK, for instance, in terms of um, the, the Department of Trade and Industry uh, agenda about developing a knowledge economy. Can we find in continental Europe, such as Scandinavia um, or in France, which is the uh, the countries we've been looking at most, um, different models that might inform a different kind of future, which are not so MBA dominated, uh, which historically have not been so concerned with ratings wars in terms of rankings of journals, and 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 have en have enjoyed a um, how can one put it a, a greater articulation, it seems to us, with the needs of the corporates and of public policy. Yeah. I actually want to make a bit of a contrary argument and argue that, in fact, I think business schools have been amazingly relevant and shockingly successful. Um, and, in fact, their very success, particularly in serving their students and in assisting them, is actually sowing some of the seeds for, I think, a serious problem in the future. Uh, I think if you look at them as institutions, especially over the last uh, 20 years or so, they're just amazingly successful. These things attract huge numbers of students. They are very wealthy. We talk about these lovely new buildings that they're all building. They have faculty salaries that are much higher, even after inflation, than what anyone could expect 20 years ago. 
And and they do that partly because I believe they have an interesting combination of both the status and prestige of a university combined with the flexibility to address students' uh, actual needs and desires. Most universities don't. They either teach what the professors think should be taught or what parents might want. Uh, they don't actually respond directly to paying students in the same way that business schools do. And because of that, they've all because they depend on the paying students, because the students pay so many of the bills, they've also, I think, been very, very clever at creating their own demand. So if MBA programs um, are drying up a little bit because there are no more young people to take them, they do executive MBAs. If executive MBA programs are now filled up because everybody in the world is doing them, they do special degree one uh, you know focal, focused MS programs. They start undergraduate programs. They do international overseas programs. These seem to be giant machines proliferating more and more programs, serving more and more students. More and more of the population um, seems to be getting a business degree um, relative to what was happening a long time ago. But I think that that, is, it, that very success is actually creating potential problems. Mm. Um, for one thing, it be, they become very, very dependent on this race for rankings and money, um, which the, the rankings then drives more investment and more money and then more chasing of money and more constantly searching for new little niches of students to serve. And I think we are at real risk of uh, losing the scholarly enterprise and losing our focus on what we're about as people who come together to learn, talk, think, generate new research and new ideas, but also communities where people really focus on learning. So I'm a little concerned that that very success is actually undermining, in the long run, the, the systems. You, you, you're discussing uh, that success perhaps is uh, at, the, at the cost of academic rigor? Definitely. Um, I see tremendous pressures for uh, institutions to let that slide. They need people to teach classes. They need people to teach lots and lots more classes. Um, it's very difficult and expensive to train people to do rigorous research. Um, it's also very expensive to invest in them and their research projects. So there's more and more pressure, at least in the U.S., which I know better, to uh, less and less invest in research and more and more focus just on the teaching. I'll, I'll give an example. We have, There's an accreditation body called AACSB that accredits uh, now internationally business schools. And one of the uh, tasks it took on, I was on that committee, is a concern with the lack of the production of PhD students. Fewer and fewer uh, universities are actually investing in PhD programs. At the same time, they're hiring people with PhDs. So you have this tremendous gap now in the availability of people who are trained in uh, the scholarship of the management specialties. At the same time, there's this tremendous dem bigger international demand for them. And that's a real gap. Does, does, any, does any of your research, Ken, um, uh, reinforce the kind of points that Joan was making here? Well, I would respond in two ways, really. One, I think, um, certainly in the UK context, Europe, I think, is different because it's following the UK trajectory, but more slowly. I think what's happened in the UK is, I mean, there is obviously an emphasis on teaching, but I think the dynamics of the research and the knowledge generation, if that's what you want to call it, has, has emphasised rigour. So we have actually got better at a particular kind of research, but in the same way that in the States the lack of relevance was bemoaned by American presidents, uh, presidents of the American Academy, certainly starting with Don Hambrick, um, the research has become less relevant and more detached from, from practice, so it's become increasingly difficult from a career development point of view. To, sorry, let me reframe that. 
to develop an academic career, you write academic papers. You don't engage with practice, I think, has been one of the issues there. And you're seeing this increasing separation that research has less and less to do with with, with, with practice. And there are a whole set of things in the system that reinforce that. I agree entirely with Joan, although I'd, I'd kind of unpack it slightly differently, that our success has, has, in a sense, in some ways, possibly lays the seeds of our, our, our future problems in the sense that I think what's happened is one has seen a muddling through of business schools. They've been very good, but without any clear sense of direction. They've responded to market forces very well. As you say, the MBA goes, then we do specialist masters or we re-emphasise the undergraduate or we do post-experience. Um, but it's interesting if you look, uh, certainly in the UK, uh, if you look at the number of degrees that are offered in in, um, in some leading business and management schools, you'll have 50 different kinds of management degrees. Now, if you look, say, at a medical school, um, you know, they will offer medicine. They're very clear what they do. And I think a management business schools are not very clear about what our offer is. And in that sense, I think one of the key debates is around identity. What kind of schools are we? What should we aspire to be? Should we go back and become stronger basic social science schools, which is what the rigor debate is about? Or should we develop more as professional schools, which I think would have very different ramifications in terms of the research we do, in terms of the way we train people, in terms of, of, of a whole number of things? And I think some of our degrees are, 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 are downright odd. I mean, I think the analogy, say, of an MBA with engineering would be you become an engineer. Well, how do you become an engineer? You do whatever degree you want. You go and work for five years as an engineer, and then you go back and train as an engineer. In business and management, you do any degree. You go and work as a manager for five, ten years, and then you do your MBA to become a professionally qualified manager in one year. And it's, yeah. a, it's a very odd model, actually. But it's, historically, it, it, it's very successful. I agree with Ken, um, but I'll take a different twist on it. Absolutely muddling through. This identity problem is quite serious. We're all over the place, and I see only more proliferation of more and more esoteric variants of it. But I'd, and, and that makes us further and further away from the professional ideal mm. of the law school or the medical school. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that that's a problem, though. Right. Uh, I think that's part, when you're working with something like business or management, which is most of the world, um, you almost inherently need to try to figure out and, and work in different different areas. It's not yeah. a very, okay. very specialized thing. Yes. And whenever anyone tries to force uh, uh, coherence, like Jeff Pfeffer did in his yeah. argument that we have too many different academic specialties and we yeah. need to focus on a clarity, um, and he can talk all he wants, and he certainly is very correct on the costs of doing that, but it's just not going to happen. Because there will always be another interesting problem that healthcare has mm. or that somebody in mining has or something happens here or there, and it'll, people will delve into that and want to explore it, and the school will see an opportunity. Now, now, I agree it's a tremendous institutional cost because administratively, managing all these programs, it's horrible. Um, it's getting faculty and signing them across all these programs, getting coherence on how we do curricula, how we can have standards. From an administrative point of view, I think the burdens on business schools have become overwhelming and, and unbearable. Uh, they're just becoming impossible things even to manage. Um, as they continue with success after success. So how, how do business schools uh, get over the problem of uh, the practicalities of delivering a huge amount of programs <coughs> and fulfilling a huge demand that, that's there in the market at the moment um, to, to deliver current, uh, cutting-edge research in management practice against simply reiterating empirical management values? I mean, how do you, how do you bring this current research into what you're giving your your candidates on whichever course they're doing. 
I mean, I, I think I don't know what the final answer is, but I think it's very. If you talk, if you speak to the French and, and uh, Swedish um, collaborators we've got over today, I think they they would raise very interesting issues about what we need is a different kind of engagement with the management community. And I think it's much more about a methodology that involves actual managers much more in the research agenda. And I think there are emerging uh, examples of this, um, collaborative research or co-production, as it's been termed. One of the problems is in the UK particularly, but it's also happening in, in continental Europe, is that the research assessment exercise very much takes you down the rigour route and you know, the, the, the messy engagement with practice and... and going into long-term research projects without easy outcomes in terms of knowing you would get the kind of research that is publishable in top management journals makes it problematic to take the career risk of doing that kind of research. So although there are signs of, I would say, hope and of more engagement, I think also in the UK there are other particular problems which are about involving industry and business in management research. I think the UK is very laggardly in that compared to continental Europe. I don't know the states well enough to comment on that. But it's very difficult, the whole set of in institutional inertias, if you like, and, and more separation in the UK. Uh, the, the rigor <coughs> versus relevance debate. Uh, I think, again, I want to take a bit of a contrary position. I actually think there is a tremendous amount of useful research produced. And that, uh, however, it's useful for different audiences. Some of it's useful for practice. Um, I actually think there's a lot more that we produce that's useful for practice, but we do a terrible job of telling people about it. Um, as you talked about with these assessment exercises, you're reinforced for writing the academic paper. There's nothing in our system that will reward people for writing that up in its practical implications for a practical audience. So that tends to be neglected or done by people who are not themselves doing the rigorous research, who then sometimes want to tell their own little stories or play the guru or, or do things that are not really very research-based. So Partly, I think it is an institutional issue that we need to do more to create incentives for people to translate their research mm -hmm. into the practice, which I think we do a terrible job of now. Um, the, 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 I actually think, that, again, we do a lot that's actually very, very practical. Most of us have to teach people who've been out doing management. Mm -hmm. And if we don't do an effective job of selling ourselves as somebody who has something to say to them, I mean, they have more experience than I do. They, they're out running things. I'm not. Uh, if we don't do a better, we don't do a competent job in doing that, we're very quickly out of a job. Or we very quickly have a dean who's upset and, uh, with us and so forth. So we, we, we have to do things that are actually very relevant, I mm -hmm. think, in practice. There is a bit of a disconnect between our research. Yeah. And again, part of that, I think, is that in practice in universities, we're serving many masters. The, the rigor research thing is really to build legitimacy with other parts of the university. So why do we have to have a business school here at the university? Well, you need to convince these other social scientists or people in hard sciences or humanities that what you're doing has any intellectual standing. So part of what we're doing with these rigor exercises is to let that community know that we're part of them. And that's okay. That's a legitimate task. I think that, that, uh, that that'll always be there as long as we have business schools and universities, and that's a legitimate sort of activity. The research will vary, especially across countries and in different institutions, because the people in those institutions, I think, are sometimes talking to very different audiences. So in continental Europe, their intellectual colleagues think about different problems mm. than they probably do in the U.K. and certainly mm. in the U.S., mm. so mm. their research will be different. I, I've, I've, I've read and I've heard it said on a number of occasions uh, there's a, there's a difference between the way that you must deliver the management education is being delivered. There's the American model and then there's the European model. There may be even be the English model. Who knows? Um, is good management education good management education wherever you get it? Or 
do you have to focus it, change the focus slightly for, for the, the culture in which you're delivering it? Well, okay, I guess I'm actually kind of alarmed and concerned that there's more and more uh, adaption of the American model. I'm not in a good position to say whether what the other models do that might be better because I don't know them very well. But I just think in general it's never a good idea to have just one sort of model. I certainly know what the flaws are in the American system, which are substantial. Um, and, I, and I'm worried because Americans had university business schools earlier, much earlier, and we've been doing it longer. So for those sorts of, in the size of the country and the wealth of the country, so for those reasons it's dominant, but I'm not sure its model of business education should be dominant. I'm actually quite concerned that one of the things that seems to be happening is there's more and more use of that. And I think, I think these rankings uh, and these accreditation bodies, which are now international as well, I think they contribute to that. I'm quite alarmed that uh, we may end up with a very narrow and monolithic uh, institutional structure globally, which will be very dysfunctional for all of us. Yes, I agree with that. I think I think what one has in the business schools, which is very unusual, actually, is you have you have a, a global degree, the MBA, it um, is. Uh, which structures in a particular way. It, it, it's it's policed by uh, global accrediting bodies. So there is, in a sense, it's not a straitjacket. There is some some room for manoeuvre, but it but it does structure the way in which we do management education at that level, and it is seen as the professional management qualification. I think, and I think there there are issues around the degree to which that focuses on what kinds of knowledge and how it splits things up into particular disciplines. And I think what drives a lot of um, I think what drives a lot of MBAs is on the core of the discipline. The core of the MBA it strikes me in the states in the elite schools is finance, which takes you into particular values which have been criticised post Enron and all those kind of things. So I think there is a debate about the constitution of the MBA to the culture and the mindset of management. I think in other areas, particularly post experience and on specialist masters there's much more tailoring there's much more room for maneuver um it's much more about um sharing of knowledge with the people you're working with particularly the executive education level and in a sense i think that's where the research is reframed in in different learning environments and that yeah that's a super model if you like um because you have to be responsive to the, the client or the customer or the whatever we call them nowadays. <laughs> candidate. The candidate. The candidate. Dan, Joan, thank you very much for, for contributing. Not thank, at all. You. thank you very much.